Hello guys and welcome back to the Football Gossip Podcast, episode 6. The Premier League is back and so are we. Uh, I say we. I'm by myself again this weekend, so I'll be rounding up all this weekend's Premier League action, giving you my thoughts and opinions, and let's get straight into it. Starting off with the big surprise uh, shock result this weekend. Norwich beating Man City 3-2 at home. It was an incredible game. Honestly, Norwich fully deserved the win. They were unbelievable. They were so brave against a Man City side who were, to be honest, very, very poor. Incredibly poor. I mean, at the back, I mean, we uh, tweeted out earlier in the week that with Laporte's injury, did we believe that this would hamper Man City's chances of regaining the title this season? Oh, from the first match without him, you can easily tell they're going to struggle this season at the back. The way that I saw Otamendi and Stones together is kind of like how I saw the defence when Guardiola first took charge in the fact that it was so stumbly, mistakes were often being made, they couldn't handle the press. It was like how like when Guardiola first took over, he had Kolarov, Zabaleta, Kalishi and Sanya at the back. It just looked shaky, they weren't comfortable with possession, they weren't comfortable being pressed. And now we're seeing that again with this City squad. The mistakes at the back were awful. The first corner was that was horrendous marking. Why on on in this day and age they still do zonal marking? I never know. I think it's a should be a freaking rule in the FA to say don't do zonal marking when you're getting your badges. Mark man for man because that was awful defending. And why are you having Sterling on the front post or the first man to clear the ball? If it comes to him, it's a shy corner. You don't want to be him being the first man to attack the ball when he's like. When you've got other players like Stones, Otamendi, who are going to be more dominant in the air than Sterling to clear that ball. And then McLean just gets a free run to attack the ball and knocks in the back of the net. And it was such an early shock lead. I mean, 18 minutes in, they, it stunned City and they just never regained from it. And then the next two goals, um, Campwell, lovely ball uh, pass across the box from Puki, who was set free. That, why, why are the back four not in line with each other? They've got to be commanding that line. Walker was five yards behind Stones and he was trying to off, keep, trap him offside. It was horrendous. I can see now, after that match, why Southgate dropped Walker. He, it was horrendous. Whether that's knocked his confidence and caused that performance, uh, I don't know. But he was horrendous. And then Puki's goal, same again. Otamendi... Stones made a pass to him. <clears throat> he had he could have had one touch, lay it off to Edison, and he lump it over at the pitch or pick out a fullback. And he just he was so lazy on the ball. And even before that, Puki had a chance to make it three-one. Quite a few, uh, few minutes before, when Otamendi literally just passed to him instead of passing to Stones. Awful, awful defender from City. And I think at the start of the season, I predicted Man City to win the title, but obviously it's just one game, and they could regain from this. But they've dropped, they've dropped a lot of points this season already. Four points in five games they've dropped. It's not title-winning form. I mean, they, you speak about, they speak about Tottenham and how many points they've dropped in the first five matches and why they can't be seen as title challenges. City are doing the same. I mean, unless... I think if Liverpool don't win the season now after seeing what's happened in the first few games, they'll only have themselves to blame. I mean, they have it last season where I think they were nine points ahead of Christmas and... And uh, City ended up capturing, catching them up and obviously winning the league. And I think if Liverpool don't win it now, they'll only have themselves to blame. 
they've made such a great start to the season. They were brilliant on Saturday against Newcastle. Firmino is showing really why he's probably the most underrated player in that Liverpool team, I'd say, in my opinion. He was um, incredible, the way he links plays. And Joyce Dini said on Soccer Saturday that he's probably the best number nine in the league, and it's hard to argue why when you're seeing his performances, the way he presses the, the whole back four, helps the link play, creates chances, gets assists, and gets in all the goals. Quality from Firmino <coughs> this week. And seeing Man City's defence and the way Liverpool have been the first few weeks, if Man City took that defence to Anfield, they'll get slaughtered. Absolutely slaughtered. You give Joel Matip and Van Dijk or Fabino a free header from a corner, you're just praying it doesn't go in. You know, if you, with Otamendi at the back, so lackadaisical with the ball and not knowing what to do with it, having been pressed by Mane, Firmino or Salah, it's just going to cause all sorts of errors. So I think it's a real concern for City. At this, obviously, Laporte is, I think, a massive, massive uh, loss for him, and we'll have to see for the rest of the season whether they can regain from it. Because I personally think it's going to be a long season for City if they don't sort it out real quick. But all credit due to Norwich and uh, Fark because he, the way they set up against City were incredible. They were so brave against them. They defended, <clears throat> especially towards the last part of the game with their lives they were brilliant they fully deserved the win and the pookie party continues six goals already this season and a few more assists he's in my fancies doing me wonders so we're just hoping he keeps it up moving on to the next big win this weekend was chelsea beating wolves away 5-2 an incredible result for chelsea i was surprised the way that game went i personally even on my uh Super 6 and the better than my ACA that I put in. I had that as a draw. Um, seeing our Wolves perform against top 6 teams, I thought they were going to make life real hard for Chelsea, but they defended so poorly. And Tammy Abraham, I have to, I'm going to say this now, I owe an apology to Chelsea fans and Chelsea out there, because a, a few weeks ago I said that I didn't see where Chelsea's goals were coming, and I didn't think they'd reach the top 6. But Tammy shut me up <laughs> easily. Seven goals in his last three games. He's been absolutely incredible. And he's been the striker they've missed for the past two seasons since Diego Costa left over, over these last three games. But still a long season ahead. Anything can happen. But a very well-taken hat-trick. First goal, just a nice swivel. Put it into the back of the net. His second with the header. He didn't even generate much power into it. Because the ball that Alonso put in didn't even have much pace. He literally just guided it where it needed to be. No, not much power at all on the header. Just pretty much nodded it, and it went straight past Patricio. A great header, and the third goal was an absolute great finish. Ball, ball over the top. He managed to get it down, and he had Connor Cody on toast. He really did like that. Just one, one touch, shift of the body, get out of his feet, and it's the back of net. Great strike. I mean, I think Chelsea fans are seeing an English Didier Drogba in him. He's coming on leaps and bounds since um, the UEFA Super Cup and his first half for United. Obviously, he's had so much abuse from Chelsea fans on social media, and to have this sort of response to them, I think, is incredible. And I think with the England national um, qualifiers coming up, I think we have another series in October, he's going to get called up over Callum Wilson, I think, at this rate. And it looks like Lampard's trust in the youngsters is paying off, because now... The 11 goals that Chelsea have scored this season have all come 
from not only um, English players, all come from academy graduates. And two of which she had on loan at um, Derby last season with uh, Mount and Tamori with an amazing strike. I think it was more of a cross, but he put a bit too much on it, but it flew into the top corner. Unbelievable finish. And Mount, again, getting on the score sheet. He's looking very, very good. And I was surprised when he played for um, England against Bulgaria. When he came on, he put um, Southgate put him out wide. And I'd like to see him more central. Because I think the issue is, when you have him and Madison, because they're two similar players in the like kind of spaces they want to pick up at, like in behind the midfield and in front of the defence, that's the spaces they want to dominate. And having two players on the pitch at the same time in that sort of area isn't going to work for England. Because he likes to have the ball out wide. And you've got such talented wingers with Sterling, Jaden Sancho, Rashford can play out there. That's going to be hard to fit Mason, um, Mason Mount and James Madison into that sort of setup without bringing them into the middle of the pitch where I think they'd be more dangerous. But they don't have that position unless they went for maybe a 4-2-3-1 and you would just have to rotate it, really. Or you play Mount in between... I mean, or you play Mount alongside Declan Rice and just have Declan Rice cover and give Mason Mount some freedom. Or you play Henson and Rice there. I see a 4-2-3-1 possibly working and then you've obviously got your wide players. But I think he'll struggle to fit them both in to the setup he wants at the moment. And Wolves, obviously, they've not won a single game yet this season, uh, same as Watford, which I think has taken a lot of people by surprise because if it was at the start of the season that Wolves were being top to break into this top six. And they aren't looking, they haven't got picking up the form or we aren't seeing the performances that could do so. We did see against United, especially in that second half, but not at the moment. And I think with Europa League football, it's only just going to stretch the squad and it's only going to get worse. We saw it with um, Burnley last season when they were in the early stages of Europa League. Their um, domestic form really, really hampered the domestic form because they've been stretched on so many sides. And having to obviously compete in Europe, compete domestically, it's not going to work well for them. So I think we'll actually see Wolves start to struggle, I think, early on. But I think if they won't manage to get out of the group stage, then towards the later end of the season, we'll probably start to see them pick up points. But if they get past the group stages and they may start to focus on the Europa League so they feel they can get something out of it, we could see them maybe not get into a relegation battle, but be in the kind of lower 10 or the bottom 10 of the league this season. Speaking of London teams getting a win, Tottenham are back to their winning ways, thank God. Picking up a f- impressive 4-0 win against Crystal Palace at home. All four goals coming inside the first half. Son Aldo is back with a bang, bagging two goals in the first half. Really solid performance from Tottenham. Um, obviously with all the speculation and this disruption that surrounded the squad so early in the season, which hasn't helped, they're starting to, it does look now that they're starting to finally find their feet. And Maurizio Pochettino said it um, at a press conference before the international break and after the European transfer market closed, said, finally, now our season can kick off. You know, all this speculation around players' futures is kind of gone. It's not really round, but it is still around technically because there's still reports coming out saying Tottenham could go back to D- for D- Dybala in uh, January time, or there could be a potential swap, bet- swap deal between Juventus and Tottenham with Ericsson going to Juve and Dybala going to Spurs. There's still going to be this disruption or this speculation in the media and social media. But it does look now that Tottenham is starting to kick off 
and get into the groove of this season. And I think the international break has helped Harry Kane, because especially against Arsenal, Man City, and against Newcastle, he just looked really lackadaisical, and he didn't look like he was up to the pace. He didn't really look like he wanted to be involved. But now after kind of getting a few goals for England, he's probably getting his confidence back, and that will start to see him hopefully kick on more, because... Um, he is on three goals, um, obviously two against Villa and a penalty against Arsenal. But we, as Spurs fans, you want to see him the striker he was two seasons ago, where he was scoring the most goals in the calendar year of a Premier League player, breaking records. You know, Tottenham's highest goal scorer in the Premier League. We want to see that striker come back. We want to see him in that form again. But at the same time, we, I think Tottenham have got the most players contributing to goals this season already, with six different players on the score sheets. Which is good to see because, obviously, a couple of seasons ago, we were saying how Harry Kane, Tottenham kind of had all their eggs in one basket with Harry Kane. You know, without him, where would the goals come from? And now we're seeing the likes of, obviously, Son. If he gets up to form, he can contribute with his goals. Lamella, he had a really good pre-season. Obviously, got a goal on the weekend. And, obviously, was an own goal. So, <laughs> hopefully, we can ask for more of them. But probably the main concern for Mauricio Pochettino at this moment in time is the injuries that are still happening because uh, Tangai Undombele was injured for the North London Derby Derby and just made his um, uh, first start back against um, Palace when he come, off, come on as a sub um, Lo Celso was injured on international duty and now he's uh, I think he's out till mid-October Sessegnon looks like he's about to come back Ali's coming back to fitness we're seeing Dyer come back it's just not all happening for Tottenham and their injuries and we saw it last season and we just wanted to stop. We really do. And that was the issue we had last season is our squad was so was ripped down to its bare bones because so many injuries are happening. So many key players are out. So I think Pochettino's main concern is keeping them all fit, keeping them all healthy and keeping them all in right form and the right mind. Because Pochettino's come out and he said Tottenham will be fighting on all four fronts this season. He wants to see us go as far as we can. And we're going to need all our key players fit and healthy for the large, large portions of the season in order for us to do so. So hopefully Injury FC will come to a stop sometime soon and we'll see Tottenham kick on with the season and hopefully push on with this 4-0 win and we'll see it follow into the rest of the season. Now, on to the early kickoff: Liverpool winning 3-1 at home against Newcastle. Newcastle picked up an early shock lead. With a goal from their new signing, Willems. Um, absolute amazing wonder strike. Hit it like a rocket and went right into the top corner. Obviously took the shot lead. We And some fans were thinking, oh, we're going to see a repeat of the Tottenham game. Thinking, oh, no, they're going to part the bus. It's just going to be an onslaught. And they'll manage to hold out. But I think the difference between Liverpool and Tottenham is that when Liverpool have the ball in tight spaces, like in and around kind of the 18-yard box, they can make more out of it than what Tottenham can at this moment in time. I mean, you see it with Firmino when he has the ball in the type spaces. He still can manage to, with the back heels and the flicks, just to set people up. I mean, he was outstanding for Liverpool when he came on for Origi. And he just made the difference. He really did. And his assist for Salah's goal was utterly ridiculous. It was disgusting. <laughs> One word to describe it was disgusting. It was sublime. And I think what Troy Deeney said on Soccer Saturday... Is probably right. He is probably the best number nine. I mean, if you're thinking of a player that's not on the back line because you've obviously got the wingers around him, but a striker that's going to drop off, get the ball at his feet, turn, link play, put through balls through to the obviously 
attacking Mane and um, Salah, and you'll pick up loads of goals. And I think because Mane and Salah both get 20-plus goals a season in the league each, it overshadows Firmino um, to a certain extent, and you don't see him kind of grabbing all the headlines that he probably deserves because of this. And even Klopp says himself, Firmino is his most important player. And we're kind of now starting to see why, because of how important he is to Salah and Firmino. And when he's not playing, it's just you, they don't get the service, they don't get the link with Origi, and it's just a completely different Liverpool side. But seeing how Liverpool have started this season, I think they'll carry it on indefinitely. I don't see them slipping up at this moment in time. And I think if they do lose the league this season to City, they'll have themselves to blame. Because they're in such an amazing opportunity now with um, Laporte out for quite a large, I think it's six months. So I think if uh, Liverpool managed to not win the title, it, it, something drastic would have to happen if, say, an injury of the same sort of calibre were to happen, like Van Dijk or a Salah or Mane, Firmino. If that was to happen, then, you know, Man City might have a way back in. But they've still got a long season ahead, so I could be making quick judgments. But I do think now maybe this is Liverpool's time to win the league. I God hope it's not. <laughs> I really do hope it's not. I cannot stand it if they do. But I do think now it is Liverpool time to finally lift up the Premier League. Now moving on to the Sunday kickoffs. Um, early kickoff was Bournemouth against Everton. Bournemouth picking up a 3-1 win, punishing Everton for their uh, silly mistakes. Really, uh, especially the second and third goals. Richarlison gave a silly foul away. Don't know what he was doing there, really. And Ryan Fraser with a free kick in. It was easily to be... It could, Fabian Delph, as the kind of front post man, should have done a lot better with clearing that. He went with the wrong leg and ended up kind of putting it in towards the back of his net. Um, but awful, awful defending. It shouldn't really happen in the first place. And then the third goal was even worse. I mean, it come from a left back with a hopeful ball up. Went past both their centre-halves and Callum Wilson just chipped Pickford. I mean, it was a well-taken finish, but he shouldn't have had the ball there and he shouldn't have had that much space. It's awful defender. And we're saying now, Michael Keane, after that, he's supposed to be one of England's best centre-halves. As if. How awful defender. And, you know, Marcus Silva's side towards the end of last season were commended for how well they were, how well they defended. And that was just poor. Utterly, utterly poor. And I don't see with defending like that how... Everton could justify trying to break into the top six or be the best of the rest because they're going to concede loads of goals with the ways they're going at the moment. And the other issue is they haven't got the goal scorers to kind of equal it out. At least with, say, Arsenal, they can score loads of goals and can still concede loads. Obviously, Cavaloon did score today. He is going to get opportunities, but I don't think he's going to finish him. And it's the same with Musa Keane. I don't think they're, either one of them are ready to lead that line for Everton and be the goal scorer. You know, they haven't had that... 20-plus goal scorer since Lukaku left. And that's what they desperately, desperately need. But I don't think either Lukaku or Calvert-Lewin will be their main man. I don't see it. And I just can't see them breaking into the top six. Not a chance. Now, on to the late kickoff: Arsenal against Watford. Watford going from two goals down to bring him back to two all. They were brilliant today. Um, really capitalising on Arsenal some space, which you just love to see. You really do. Um, Aubameyang was Aubameyang really he just when you give him the ball no chances he ain't going to finish him I think the second goal was amazing like it was really really good team play 
I mean, Ozil's ball to Maitland-Niles was... You, they have missed that. I mean, when Ozil is on top form, it's just... It is a, it's a simple pass, but, but to execute it and pull it off, and it was such a lovely way to pass to Maitland-Niles to hit it across to Aubameyang. When Arsenal are like that, they can be unstoppable. They really, really can. But it's just their back line. What is fucking wrong with them? Socrates is all over the place. David Luiz is all over the place. And I love the fact everyone was raving saying, oh, David Luiz, he's got all this experience in the Premier League. He's won titles. He's won the Champions League. He's won the Premier League multiple times. He's so bloody erratic. He's god-awful. You're replacing Mustafi with his double act, really, from one calamity to another. That's how many mistakes has he created already this season that have led to goals. It's incredible. Gave away a penalty today, and which Pereira nicely slotted away. But Watford were very unlucky to not actually pick up all three points. They had two great chances towards the end. Uh, Delafay whisking it past the post. And I'm sorry, but Decore should have done a lot better. When the ball was played across by Saar and he was round about the penalty spot, he just hit it straight at Leno. It was a simple save, but I think Watford would be disappointed not to take all three points there and feel they should have got more out of it. But Arsenal need to sort out that back line. I think when Bellerin and Tierney come back, that will help in the wide areas. But there's still so much panic and doubt in that central with Socrates, obviously he was the um, culprit for the first mistake, trying to play out from the back. I mean, you, there is an argument that um, Delafeu had one foot inside the box and VAR should have took caught it. But I think with the ruling south of VAR, they can't overturn it for some reason. Uh, don't ask me why. VAR's weird. Um, but Arsenal do need to sort out their back line. There's two centre-halves of crap. Absolute crap. Um, and we did see it against Spurs when Tottenham were counter-attacking. They just looked all over the place. And in my predictions at the start of the season, I predicted Arsenal to finish top four, based, probably based on their front line, really. But now seeing how their back line's um, kind of still shite and seeing how many mistakes they're making at the back, I'm kind of leaning more towards Chelsea might do it, seeing how they are. I mean, it it's difficult because I do think it'll be between Man United, Arsenal and Chelsea. I think Chelsea, even though they're such a young side, they have been forming really well. But we'll have to see how they get on against you know the top six teams. You know, they did lose against United 4-0. But it's how they will do against, you know, Arsenal, Tottenham, Liverpool, Man City. And it's the same with United, really. They haven't had a big, big test yet. So it'll be interesting to see how they do. And they've already dropped points against lesser teams. I mean, they drew to Wolves. They lost against Palace at home. You know, it's kind of like the United of old last season where they're still making mistakes, like juvenile mistakes. But they have such a young team as well as Chelsea. Um, I think I think the team is so raw, you can't really criticise it in the same way with Chelsea. Because obviously you've got the likes of James, Rashford, obviously young, obviously fielding young players to then kind of in the next one or two seat, uh, two or three seasons, then start to pick up. We're going to see kind of this toss-up for which team's going to be top four, and I feel Arsenal are just going to join them until they sort out, maybe in January, they buy a centre-half or two, whether when Saliba comes from Etienne next season, and he'll be able to sort it out. But I think at a young age, I don't see that happening. But 
we said the same. Well, but you look at Delict, a young centre half come into an Ajax team and was probably, and you could argue, he's probably one of the best defenders in the world at the moment. So we'll have to wait and see for Arsenal. I think they have to shore up their back, and I think that every Arsenal fan is going to is agreeing. Like David Luiz is just making the same mistakes that Mustafi would have made. So to round up this week's episode, we'll go through the league table just so you're all caught up with where everything stands. Liverpool in top spot with 15, Man City 5 points behind in 2nd with 10 points, and then Tottenham in 3rd, um, followed by United, Leicester, Chelsea and Arsenal, all on 8 points. Then 7th to 8th to 12th place, all on 7 points, Bournemouth, West Ham, Southampton, Everton, Palace. And then 13th is Norwich, um, pick, obviously picking up that big win against City. Burnley, Sheffield United, Brighton all on five, Newcastle on four, and then making up the bottom is Villa, Wolves and Watford. That's it for episode six, guys. I hope you have enjoyed it. And again, another short one. I do apologise. I do hope we, uh, I hope Jamie will be back soon enough so you can hear some of his ridiculous predictions and outbursts hopefully soon. You know the drill, guys. Leave some feedback. Let us know how you think we're getting on, ways we can improve, we can do things better. And make sure you keep following our social to keep up the date with the latest football news. Twitter and Instagram, both at podcast underscore FG. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.